Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Who doesn't love shopping at Target? Did you know the all-new Target Circle is the free and easy way to get the most deals at Target? And when you pay with your Target Circle card, you can save an extra 5% your way every day. But wait, there's more. Now you've got a new way to save with Target Circle 360. With unlimited same-day delivery, Target Circle 360 is the fastest way to get your order to your door or someone else's. Right now, sign up for Target Circle 360 for just $49 for your first year of membership. That's $50 off the regular price. Visit Target.com slash Circle or the Target app for more details. Same-day delivery is subject to terms, applies to orders over $35. For 5% discount, restrictions apply. See program rules in-store or at Target.com slash Circle Card. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am all in. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, everybody, Scott Patterson. We are going to talk to Mary Lynn Rashkub who appeared on Gilmore Girls as Kirk's girlfriend uh, in the first film by Kirk uh, in episode 19, Teach Me Tonight. Uh, she is also an actress, comedian, writer, best known for playing Chloe on the Fox drama 24. Uh, many movies you've seen her in, Little Miss Sunshine, Legally Blonde 2, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, she's been on Grey's Anatomy, Larry Sanders Show, Girlfriend Experience, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, she is a fascinating woman. Uh, she's on a stand-up comedy tour. 
She's written a, a book called Famish, I-S-H, and uh, we're going to bring her in and talk to her. She's going to tell us all about her comedy and her book and her experience on Gilmore Girls. So let's uh, let's bring in Mary Lynn. Hello. <laughs> Mary, how are you? Sorry, I almost choked on my... Good. Hey, Scott. It's how Mary Lynn. Are, how are you doing, Mary Lynn? Nice Good. to... Good. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing exceedingly well. Um, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you just have the most incredible resume, and you've been in so I many know, great right? things that I'm going to be all over the map wanting to talk about all of them, but I don't know that we can talk about all of them. Yeah, um, tell me about it. I'm all over the map. But it's, wow. I mean, you are truly, and I want to talk about the stand-up comedy and the performance art because it's just fascinating. One of the funniest things I saw you say on an interview was you taped up your, you taped up your and, and uh, <laughs> your private parts and said, what, what was the line? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you t- you These t- are not for you. These are not for you. <laughs> okay, first of all, what possessed you to do that? You know, it's something that comes from deep inside. Why do you, because you, did you know it would be funny? And you did that as a performance piece. You, you, you did that. You did that. You went up on a stage and did that, or you were in a bar or something. And this was part of a performance piece and you started it out like that. I knew it would be funny. I believe okay. I was, coming from art school so i was making fun of performance art right so you know what you know what it is i can't believe you're even asking this because i haven't thought about this in forever but now i i realize it was back in my day in art school you know you do study performance art which is this this genre which includes a lot of female strong, you know, um, doing stuff with their genitals, uh, monologuing. So I was basing it on pieces I had learned about, but imagining that this woman, it was more of like a cry for help Mm -hmm. than, so her art piece. And that, that was funny to me. (laughs) I was just, you talking about it in the interview made me fall, fall off the couch. It was just, really funny stuff i don't even remember talking about that you you did you must have done some interesting uh research yeah, I, I looked at a couple of interviews i was uh, i was okay. i was interested to see you know how your brain worked and and what you thought was funny and and what was going on and performance art to me you know my experience living in new york i was exposed to you know the wooster group which i considered performance art for the most part um uh uh, Laurie Anderson, who incorporated yes. more music, and uh, yes. and Eric Bogosian, right? So he was more yes. of a monologist. But uh, I mean, I, there was some performance art aspect. Who were your big influences? Just coming from well, art. I guess that that part piece in particular, I was thinking of like Karen Finley and Lydia Lunch. Lydia Lunch. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So so good. So you. The thing that fascinates me about stand-up comedians is the courage that it takes to get up there because you're just standing there naked with a microphone and, man, you don't know how it's going to go. How do you, and it's the one thing that I've always wanted to do, but I never had the guts to do it. Um, what got you up on stage in the first place? Was it the performance art and then you you liked the feeling of being up there as a performance artist and it just sort of, 
you know, what you wanted to say as a performance artist happened to be funny. So you just, you went into straight stand-up comedy? Uh, yeah, kind of. I, uh, I just had a need to perform and I don't know, I think it was kind of a survival mechanism to figure out how to express myself in a, but in a very trial by fire kind of a way. And that's what, you know, moving towards stand-up allowed me to, and I'm still doing that, come closer and closer to, you know, you have to be really clear in what you're saying. And when I was doing the performance art stuff, it was more abstract. So that's the allure for me is the commitment that it takes to what you you want to say Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. order to to continue to want to do it right right um i've seen a lot of stand-up comedians um i saw jay leno in huntington beach before Uh he took over the and he was it was two hours of just gut-wrenching humor it was fantastic um yeah i was stunned um so anyway so you currently on tour. You're, you're launching a, a, a nationwide tour stand-up. Um, when does that start? Tell us a little bit about that because I want you to get the plug in. Um, yeah, it sort of has started already and it's kicking into high gear at the end of March. And yeah, I post I posted on my socials every, you know, every okay. not few days, probably once a week with a list of the cities. Right. But it's been really interesting because I have a booking agent and – it was almost like once she, once the word was out that I was doing it and I was really committing to it, then peop, then other people were like, oh yeah, we'll book her. Oh yeah, we'll book her. And she hit me up and I'm like, yes, yes. And so now I've said yes to all these gigs that's taking me for like the next eight months. But oh. I'm also, it's, you know, I'm doing my stand up which I would be doing anyway, but I also wrote a book during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I'm using the stand-up tour to help launch the book as well so that's a really exciting aspect i mean talk about great merch to have at a show i'll be able to have you know an actual book yeah hard copies of the book and that's famish ish that's the one my life that's the one I've, i've only written one book so far yes smart satirical relatable new meaning of the word icon as, as you navigate Ooh. show business against the backdrop of your own idiosyncrasies. Oh. That, is that pretty much encapsulated? Um, and you made out with Tom Cruise for 45 minutes on a couch with and without tongues, according to this book. Is that, so tell us, tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Uh, that was for the movie Magnolia, where mm-hmm. he plays that um, TJ Mackey, the self-help. Right. Or not self-help, um, top coaching guys on how to get women. So I was a flashback in his head as he's coaching these guys, how you treat women to get them on your side, even though you're being a dick, how to get them to be sympathetic to you. So he tells a story of like, if you're late and you know, the woman's going to be mad at you, here's what you do. You show up, you bring cookies, you say you hit a puppy on the way over and all these like manipulative things, which end in making out with the date. So he's always, he's, he's coaching the guys how to get to close with the ladies. And I was the example 
date. Right. But it didn't make it in the movie because there was so much information. The movie was already so dense that this was like a thing in his mind. So that it was like a trim the fat thing. But I had this experience of doing a real scene for, I don't know. I think I can't, I think we shot for two days. Mm-hmm. I, I shot for two days with him, one or two days. So let's talk Gilmore. Okay. Um, Gilmore. You were Kirk's girlfriend in the debut film by Kirk. Um, so you were probably in, involved in one of the most iconic moments of the entire uh, Gilmore library. What was that like? And did it feel like it at the time? No, why is it one of the most iconic moments? Filmed by Kirk? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that just... That sends the fan base. Because of the buildup to it? Because the film, the film by Kirk was probably, I mean, in terms of comedy, there's, there's probably nothing funnier in the whole, <laughs> the whole series. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah. The fans consider a film by Kirk to be, you know, sacred. Okay. That's in the because land of sacred because comedy. Because they actually made the film. So you're watching the show and the fact that we made it and they showed it in mm-hmm. the episode. Yeah. And it's very, it's got like a David Lynch. There's, <laughs> there's nothing funnier. There's nothing more absurd <laughs> so or funnier in that entire series. I feel very proud. I definitely remember enjoying it. You know, always when I'm on a show like that, it's like, I wish I could do more. Mm-hmm. So I tried to relish in just the one off of it. You know, it's hard to enter into a world that's so special and just be like, hi, bye. Um, right. And I and I could tell at the time that it was not the norm. Just everybody was was kind of giggling about it. And it was a fun piece, I think, for them to shoot because it was outside of their normal, you know, set and scene structures it was you know it was like a little an art project um and uh right up your alley yep (laughs) it was very it was very cool i was in uh, many student films nyu student films that were exactly (laughs) like that you were oh sure so did you go to school for acting and yeah in new york i studied in new york yeah what do you remember about filming a film by Kirk? What do you remember about doing that? How did they shoot that? Um, I'm trying to decide if I should try to make something up. <laughs> I think it was 20 years ago. It may have been 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was 20. It was 20. And I probably did a day, uh, probably a half of an afternoon Mm -hmm. where they were trying to fit in this extra thing. Um, Right. I remember it being outdoors. Um, Pleasant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Easy. Silly. Uh Um a mood right i I felt i felt very much at home with the crew and the cast and kirk right sean yeah sean was it hard to keep was it hard to keep a straight face through the whole thing that we were definitely giggling (laughs) for sure (laughs) but just one it was fun i mean it 
it felt like a student film. It was fun. Right. So you got that very specific direction from the director and said, listen, this is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I coming from, you know, the background that I did and Amy Sherman Palladino was, has always been a comedy fan back then. And she, and I was very comfortable with her, even though I don't know her well, I felt like we had a shorthand where it's like, oh, she gets it. Like, I felt like I was in very good hands mm -hmm. and that I understood what it was without too much direction right for sure yeah. the humor of it and the oddness of it right. was very natural to me right right yeah amy gets it yeah she uh i don't know i don't know how she ended up in tv but she did and she changed tv um thank god she definitely changed tv and continues to change right. tv exactly um, just a stunning i mean i I'm glad she ended up in TV because she was made for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the team of them both right. is, is um, phenomenal. Um, so a lot of people know you as Chloe on 24 to shift gears a little bit. Uh, uh, did you think there is any chance someone saw you in Gilmore Girls and knew that you were perfect to play Chloe? No, but I can lie and say yes for the sake of this podcast and the fans of Gilmore Girls. Oh, I have a um a factoid. Go ahead. I auditioned to play Suki. You're kidding, really? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that I really wanted it. That was yes. Yeah, Alex, when we found out that Alex that that uh what was the show she was on? That uh Fox show, that funny uh kind of variety show on Fox. Um, Alex was on that show and they wouldn't let her out of her contract. So I don't know how she got to film the pilot and be so great on the pilot as the harpist Drella, but they had to recast that obviously. And you were part of that. So um, how many auditions was, was that for you? What do you remember about that? Process? It was just, one. it was just one. Oh Yeah. We'll talk about Chloe a little bit. She's such an iconic character. Um, what was that like for you? That was Evan Katz, right? You were working with, uh, were you working with Evan Katz? Yes. And what was that like for you? Um, amazing, life-changing experience. Um, something I didn't think I would be a part of at all because I didn't really do drama at that point. And I tried to not go to the audition. And when I went to the audition, there was not really any material written. And speaking of someone seeing me on the Gilmore Girls and saying, we want to cast you as this, the producers had actually seen me in Punch Drunk Love, which is another Paul Thomas Anderson movie that I was in. And they saw me in that. And I was kind of bitchy for lack of a more eloquent uh, overbearing sister to Adam Sandler. And they said, we love your quality. We, we have a part coming up in this next season. It's not written yet. Um, we, 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 I know, I know there's nothing on the page. I mean, it was the, the sides that they gave me were literally like, yes, Jack, no, Jack. I know there's nothing here, but we're going to write more. We want to write a part for you. We think you're great as like a, we have, there's an opening for a tech, uh, computer tech. And I just, 
remember truly being overjoyed because as an actor, any type of validation that points you in the direction of someone seeing you and appreciating what you've done, quite honestly, that was enough to keep me going for another six months to a year. I did not believe they would write a part for me because that's not what happens. Usually, you know, at that level, they're exploring and they're putting pieces together and, and the chances of that actually happening, I thought were so small. And um, he wasn't kidding. And it was Joel Cerno in particular who did most of the talking, as I remember, in the room saying that, professing that, that we're going to write more material and, you know, and they did. Wow. And I thought it was going to be four episodes. I thought it was going to be six episodes and it just kept going and going. I mean, that went on for how long, how many years was that? Seven, that was, seven, eight, um, nine, eight or nine years. And then it went away and came back. Right. I mean, I started on season three. I think there were eight seasons. What a run, man. That's how Gilmore was for me. I was a guest star in the pilot and they offered two and we said no. And when they offered four, we said no. And I was very nervous about that because <laughs> I needed the money badly. Wow. And uh, my manager called me um, one day. said, come have lunch. She handed me a manila envelope, had a six-year deal on it for the show. I couldn't believe wow. it. I think I, I wept. I think I wept. Um, but it was, Yeah. Yeah, I, I was the opposite in negotiations. I'm like, wait, you'll take me for two? No, At $3 I was, a show? No, I was, this, no I was the same way, but the manager was the hard ass saying no. Good, good for let's, you. I'm going to get Gavin to go to the network and get the money, right? And I'm like, really? Because one of my buddies uh, back in New York had turned down um, an iconic film role. And never turned into, I mean, he really like really regretted it. And, it, you know, Brad put Pitt took the role and the rest is history. Um, not saying that would have happened to him, but I remember those times thinking, Jesus, you know, we better take, you know, especially after saying no to four episodes, I was like, Oh my God. You know, wow. That's it, awesome. It was like, I didn't want what it. What a great story. I would, I, outcome. I would have taken the four man. If it was just up to me, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. I love to, love to hear it. Um, you know what? I want to talk about some of your comedy influences. Who did you grow up? How did you end up in art school? A, who were some of your big influences and in, in art and comedy that, that, that made you the artist that you are today? Um, well, I didn't, I wasn't really a huge fan of stand-up comedy. I, I do remember seeing Whoopi Goldberg's one woman show on HBO. And I really wanted to do that. And I think I always wanted to do acting, but I was scared to study it. And I didn't want to go to school for it. So I went to art school instead. I didn't think it was something that you could do. Um, I was always really drawn to a solo performer on stage. Um, that's why I enjoyed the performance art stuff. And to me, that was an entry into it because 
it wasn't a guy in a suit going like, here's what I think about this, because I couldn't relate to that. I was somebody who wasn't very comfortable speaking my mind or, or understanding who I was in the world or what I wanted to talk about. So that's why I was more interested in art. Mm. Um, one thing I had to learn, which took me a long time too, was as an actor, I tend to automatically go to like, when I act something out, you're going to feel it. And I had to learn how to temper that doing stand up so that oh. the audience felt okay. Right. I was always shocked. I'm like, you guys are really feel bad about this. This is funny to me, but you have to like adopt this narrator so that the audience knows it's okay to laugh because they will go with you if you're an emotive person on right, stage. Right. Um, which also speaks to the technician part of it, because if it's someone who's a technician, you're not worried about them because they're not showing you their emotions. Right. And I, so I had to temper that back because my tendency is to show probably too much emotion, right, right. especially for joke telling. Right. So that's been really fun too, because that's a way to like build my own confidence and way to do it, you know? Right. Interesting. Audience. So, and then you get different audiences and they're not going to respond the same way. I mean, it's just like totally. you, you almost have to be, um, you know, completely intuitive on stage per performance because it's never going to be the same reaction. Same it's people. very maddening. Yeah. And I feel like you're very, <laughs> you're very clued into it mentally. I, you're, I can see you going there, imagining doing that because that's exactly each performance. I mean, similar-ish to acting, but you're jumping, but you, you know. Right. It's live you, you theater. Got the audience. Yeah. 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 They're different. The, you know, certain things don't work in front of certain audiences and you don't know why. Um, but with, you know, I'm, you can't be, I mean, you can be somewhat intuitive with a live acting performance, but boy, I tell you, that's, that's the beauty of stand-up comedy, man. You can just be. I mean, you can just sort of adapt, can't you? I mean, do you find your, you find yourself adapting from show to show, and then there's all that freedom to do it? Oh, you have to. Yeah, you have to. Why? Because you really are being given. I mean, it's. I, I'm. I still marvel at, like, the insanity of it. Right. Four shows in Colorado Springs, and I'm, and each one, I was like, what, like, what now? What now? Like a drunk guy going, I support you and handing his nachos to me. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen in this show? You know, this couple, the, whatever the guy, whatever his deal is, you know, the third show. Okay. The audience is good. They're not too drunk. They're paying attention. They're interested. And then five minutes in, uh, there's a 14 year old in the audience. It's mm -hmm. like, what, like, what, what now? I love people, especially in the arts, who possess courage. And I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to get I mean, you still have this need and you still need to get up there. Um, but boy, it takes a lot of courage to do this. And uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll grow a pair and get up there and, and try it. But boy, I tell Why you. Why not? I, yeah, I know. I know. It's scary. It's just so scary to me. Um, Anyway, listen, I could talk about this forever. They're cutting me off. We got to do more episodes after this, but I can't fascinating. wait to see you on stage doing stand up. Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I, I, let me see you first. Okay. I'm, let, let's do that. Uh, anyway, it's been a real pleasure. I, 
I please come back. I want to talk, get in greater depth. Uh, I'll try not to I be so heavy, to. but I, I, you're a fascinating, you're a fascinating actress, fascinating performer. Um, go see her on tour. Um, Mary Lynn, all the best. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. See you next time. Bye. All right. Bye. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, ScottyP.com, S-C-O-T-T-Y-P.com, ScottyP.com. Grade one specialty coffee.